Welcome to Radio Omniglot, a podcast about language. My name is Simon Eger, and in this episode I will be talking about Scottish Gaelic, or Gaelic, the Celtic language which is spoken mainly in Scotland. I will be talking a bit about the history of the language, its current situation, how it is used, and also about my own experiences of learning the language, and I will be sharing some observations I've collected from other people who have learned the language or who speak it natively. Scottish Gaelic is a Celtic language belonging to the Goidelic branch of the Celtic language family, along with Irish and Manx. It is closely related to those languages and they are to some extent mutually intelligible. It is more distantly related to Welsh, Breton and Irish, which form the Brythonic branch of the Celtic language family. There are currently about 57,600 people in Scotland, according to the 2011 census, who speak Gaelic and another 30,000 or so who have some knowledge of the language. They are found mainly in the Highland region, in the Western Isles, and in Glasgow. There are also Gaelic speakers in Argyll, Butte, and in Venice. However, in these areas, particularly in the Highlands and Islands, the number of Gaelic speakers is diminishing as people move away for work and study and other reasons, and they're growing in places like Glasgow, Aberdeen, East Ayrshire, and North Lanarkshire. The area with the highest proportion of Gaelic speakers is currently Lewis, where about 48% of the people speak the language, and on Lewis, in Barras, about 64% of the people speak the language. In 2014, there were about 3,500 pupils in schools studying through the medium of Gaelic. There are also a 100 or so students studying through the medium of Gaelic at Salmorostig, the college on the Isle of Skye, where you can do your degrees, undergraduate and postgraduate, through the medium of the language. In Canada in 2016, according to the latest census, there were about 1,500 people who spoke Gaelic, mainly in Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island. There are also learners and native speakers of Gaelic in various other countries, including England, Wales, the Isle of Man, Ireland, France, Spain, Germany, Hungary, Australia, Canada, and the USA. Gaelic has no official status, however, it is classified as an indigenous language under the European Charter for Regional or Minority Languages, which has been ratified by the UK government. UNESCO classifies it as an endangered language. Let's have a little look at the history of the language now. It is thought that it was brought to Scotland by settlers from Ireland in about the 4th century AD. They set up the kingdom of Dalriata in what is now Western Argyll, and they were known as the Scotty, so they gave their name to Scotland. At the time, other languages spoken in Scotland included Pictish and some form of Old Welsh. We don't know what the people who spoke them called those languages, and we don't even know what kind of language Pictish was possibly related to Welsh, possibly something different. However, by about the 9th century, most people within Scotland spoke Gaelic, except in Orkney and Shetland and parts of the southeast of Scotland. And by 1018, with the conquest of the Lovian region, Gaelic reached its peak. 
Later that century, English, in the form of the Northumbrian dialect, started to replace Gaelic in parts of eastern and southern Scotland, at least among the ordinary people, while the nobility spoke Norman French, and the clergy probably spoke Latin. So English, by the mid-14th century, had become the official language of government and law in Scotland, and was being referred to as Scots. During this time, Gaelic gradually retreated into the, the West and Highlands and Western Isles. One reason why the number of Gaelic speakers fell during the 18th and 19th centuries was because of the Highland clearances. This is when many landlords evicted people from their land and decided to farm sheep instead because they thought it would be more profitable and possibly less trouble. The people who were evicted went to Canada, New Zealand, Australia, USA, and other parts of the world. And also after the Jacobite rebellions during the 18th century, particularly after 1746, Highland culture was outlawed, music, dress, etc. And this had a, a profound effect on the Gaelic language as well. During the 18th century, a number of schools were set up in Scotland by the Society in Scotland for the Propagation of Christian Knowledge was established in 1709, and they aimed to teach the uncivilised, uncouth Highlanders to be um, more civilised and to be Christian in their particular version of Christianity, and they insisted on teaching in English, and actually punished children for speaking Gaelic in schools. However, at the same time, more or less, the Gaelic School Society, which was established in 1811, was aiming to teach Gaelic speakers to read their own language so they could read the Gaelic translation of the Bible, which was published in 1801. So between 1755 and 1800, the number of Gaelic speakers actually increased slightly from 290,000 to about 298,000. Since then, it has declined steadily as the population of Scotland has increased and the proportion Today is about 1.2%, whereas in 1755 it was about 22.9%. And now we'll have a little look at the grammar of Gaelic. Gaelic is written with just 18 letters of the Latin alphabet. However, it has quite a few more sounds than that, so each letter has to do a lot of work. And their sounds vary depending on where they appear in a word, whatever letters come before or after them, the time of day, the phase of the moon, the state of the tide, and so on. There is a system to it, it's fairly consistent and as logical as languages get, a lot more so than English at least. However, I still find it difficult to be sure how to pronounce things, even after learning Gaelic on and off for 30 years. Another feature of Gaelic is lenition. This is when initial consonants change, you stick an H after them and it changes their sound. You do this for grammatical reasons or just because you feel like it, so it seems to me anyway. For example, a shoe is brog, and my shoe is more brog, because when you put an H after the B, it becomes a V sound, obviously. This is something that happens in many languages, although it's not often reflected in the orthography, that is the spelling system. For example, in Spanish, when you have a D between two vowels, it becomes a the sound, as in nada. The orthography was set, more or less, in 1767 with the translation into Gaelic of the New Testament of the Bible and revised somewhat in 1981. Before 1767, there was a common written language used in Scotland and Ireland known as Classical Gaelic or Gaelic. This was based on early modern Irish. During this period, spoken Scottish Gaelic was diverging from Irish 
and it was considered a separate language from about the 12th century. However, this did not show up in writing until later. In some ways, Gaelic structure is similar to English. So in English, you say, I am going somewhere. I'm going to the pub, for example. And you use the same structure in Gaelic, except the verb comes first. So saying I am, you say, am I. Ha mi agol ran tairosta. Ha is the positive form of the verb to be in the present tense. Me is I, agol, going, ran to the tairosta, pub. If you want to say you are going, you say ha uagol. That's you, singular, informal form. There is also a formal and plural form of you, shiv. The verb doesn't change, only the pronoun. However, the verb does change if you want to make it negative or ask a question or a negative question. So, for example, is he going? Isn't she going? And so on. There are only 12 irregular verbs in Gaelic. These are the most commonly used ones, including the verb to be. However, there is no verb to have. So when you're talking about having something, you say it is at you or on you. For example, I have a dog. Do you have a car? You can also talk about having a language or having music or some other talent or ability. For example, if someone asks you, that means, do you speak Gaelic? Or literally, is Gaelic at you? And I would reply to that, yes, I speak Gaelic. Or literally, is, is Gaelic at me? because there is no exact equivalent of yes or no. Instead, you just use the verb that was used in the question, in this case, the verb to be. If I wanted to say, I speak a little Gaelic, I would say, ha began Gaelic agam. Or if I wanted to say, I'm learning it, I would say, ha mi You can also ask someone, avel kjol agat, literally means, is music at you? The equivalent in English would be something like, are you musical? Do you have any musical talents or abilities? To which I would reply, ha, hakiol Adam, because I do play a number of instruments, I sing, and I write tunes and songs. The vocabulary of Gaelic comes mainly from Old Irish, with borrowings from other languages, such as Old Norse, Latin, French, Scots, and English. Scottish Gaelic has a lot of vocabulary in common with Irish and Manx, although the spelling is somewhat different, especially from Manx. And there are quite a few words which are similar in, in the other Celtic languages, that's Welsh, Breton and Cornish. I have been collecting words that are similar in all the Celtic languages in a section of Omniglot called Celtic Connections. If you go to omniglot.com slash language slash Celtic, you will find that section. For example, the word for big or large in Gaelic is more, and in Irish, more, in Manx, more, in Welsh, maur. Now, similar words are also in Cornish and Breton, but they mean grand or great. In Cornish, it's mur or mer, and in Breton, mur, words for big in Cornish and Breton, and bras in Cornish and bras in Breton. So the words may be similar, but they may not mean exactly the same thing in each of the languages. You can also find connections to other European languages if you dig deep enough. For example, the word can in Scottish Gaelic means say or sing, and canon is language. In Irish, the equivalents are canch to talk and canon to sing. In Manx, can't means to talk. In Welsh, can is a song, canye is to sing, and canor is a singer. In Cornish, can is song or poem, 
and Tana is to sing, as in Breton, Tanan, to sing, Tan, song. These all share a common root with the English word chant and the French chanter, which means to sing, the Spanish cantar, the Italian cantare, and so on. These connections might be obscure, but they can be found if you dig deep enough, as I said. And this is something I like to do on my blog. I often write about the origins of words and find some connections between different languages that you wouldn't necessarily expect. And now I'm going to talk a little bit about my own experiences of learning Gaelic. I first got interested in the language about 30 years ago when I started listening to bands like Capacadi and Rudrick who sing some of their songs in Gaelic. I just loved the sound of the language and I thought I'd really like to learn to sing those songs and to learn how to pronounce the words and learn what they mean and maybe even learn to speak the language one day. I, I first tried to learn it in the mid-90s when I was working in Taiwan. Um, I don't remember exactly why I, I wanted to learn it then but I got myself a copy of Teach Yourself Gaelic. I did some lessons, I learned some basics. I didn't get very far at that time. And then some time later, in about 2004, I started learning Irish. And I'd also been interested in Irish for a long time through music and songs and decided to learn to speak the language as well. And I spent about a year studying on my own using books and online courses. And in 2005, I went to Ireland for the first time to a place called Eterscale in Glen Columcillia in Donegal, where they do short courses in Irish language and culture. And I've been there every summer for a week or two since then. A few years later, I decided to go to Scotland to do a course in Gaelic songs at Sal Morostig on the Isle of Skye. This is a college where you can study short courses in Gaelic language, songs, music, and other related subjects, and also do degrees through the medium of Gaelic. I did a course with Christian Primrose in Gaelic Songs. I really enjoyed it, and I've been back there quite a few times since then. I don't go every year, but I go as often as I can. It's an amazing place. The scenery is just spectacular. It's quite isolated, but there's always plenty of things going on while I'm there. So when I first went there in 2008, I didn't actually speak a lot of Gaelic, but because I spoke Irish, I could understand quite a lot of Gaelic, and when I tried to speak it, I mixed it up with Irish and was more or less able to make myself understood. And since then, I've become more confident in using my Gaelic. I wouldn't say I'm completely fluent, but I can speak it fairly well and understand it and read it and write it and sing it. And I love singing Gaelic songs. When I ask other people about why they learn Gaelic and how they learned it, they often tell me that they have family connections to Scotland, or one of their grandparents or great-grandparents, another family member spoke the language, or they got interested in it through music, like me, or through literature or poetry, or they just like Scotland. And some people get interested in Gaelic because they speak a related language, like Irish or Manx. And there is, in fact, a special course at Salmorostig for Irish speakers to learn Scottish Gaelic. There is also a similar course in Scale in Donegal, where I go to, for Gaelic speakers to learn Irish. Apparently there is a shortage of Gaelic-speaking teachers for schools, especially Gaelic medium schools, and it is partly because many native speakers of the language don't believe their abilities are good enough to teach it. To become a teacher, you need training, but you need to be able to speak the language, and they don't think, just because they're native speakers and they've spoken it all their life, that their language is good enough for schools. And I think there's also a, a bit of um, a tall poppy syndrome going on there. You don't want to stand out from other people and make out you're somehow different or special or have special abilities. 
So that is a problem in Gaelic medium education and Gaelic education generally. And quite a few teachers are not native speakers. And native speakers have also told me that in schools they teach a kind of standardised form of the language, which uses some vocabulary and structures that are not used so much by the native speakers or at all. The native speakers speak their own local dialect, and there are many within Scotland. There used to be more, and some have disappeared or are disappearing. Well, the one, one actually has been revived recently, the Gaelic of Dalriada in Argyll. One man has managed to research that and revive it, and he's learnt it, and he's taught it to his children, and he's keen to teach it to anybody else who would like to learn it. And that is probably the closest form of Gaelic to Irish, because there was once a dialect continuum between Ireland and Scotland, probably including the other man as well, where the different dialects of Gaelic and Gaelic merged into each other. So the dialects that were spoken in adjacent areas were very similar, and Scotland and Ireland are not far apart. So places in southern Scotland and northern parts of Ireland spoke very similar dialects. In Ireland, they were called Irish or Gaelic. In Scotland, they're called Gaelic. And that's enough talking for now. And now I will try to sing one of the songs I learned last week in Salmo Rostig. This is Sada Liam and Eiche Rauri, or Long is the Winter Night. It was written by Murdo McFarlane of the Isle of Lewis, who lived from 1901 to 1982. He emigrated to Canada and really missed his home. And he wrote this song about how much he missed Lewis, the island where he grew up. Ach, 
and found it interesting and informative. It's giving you a bit of a flavour of Scottish Gaelic. Maybe you will even end up learning it. The music you heard at the beginning of this podcast was a tune I composed last year called After the Rain. I wrote it on the mandolin and the recording features mandolin and a number of other instruments. At the beginning of the podcast you heard the first half of the tune and now you will hear the B section. Thank you for listening. I've been Simon Eger. I hope you will tune in next time to Radio Omniglot. Goodbye. Cheerio and Rasta. Oh,